What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. National Signing Day has come, and it's, it was a big worry for the longest time of how this class was going to hold up. Was Pierce Clarkson going to go to UCLA? Was he going to go to Texas A&M? Were they going to lose Madden Sanker to Georgia? All those questions that we wondered for an entire season today were answered as Penn hit the paper. And we got a lot to talk about here on From the Pink Seats Podcast, the National Signing Day edition of the show. Uh, the full gang is here. We got, we're got we five deep tonight. Uh, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vince LaCoco, Presley Meyer, and we are joined by our good friend Grant Mulligan. We'll get to him here in a second. Uh, fellas, it feels good to be back together. We just did a show the other night, and Matt, of course, you missed it. It was uh, I know you've been busy, but it was wonderful. Uh, Dana is a great guest, uh, one of the best we've had in a long time, and uh, he'll definitely be back. But Matt, how are you, man? Are you well-rested? Are you exhausted? Give me just a temperature of how you're feeling. Am I well rested? What kind of dumbass question is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not well rested. I've been up since 5:30 this morning. Uh, we're going to get all the specifics into the, the nerdiness of recruiting because we've got an expert here uh, in Grant Mulligan. I mentioned him a little bit ago, but uh, Grant is a writer for State of Louisville and a former uh, Louisville football recruiting assistant. Grant, welcome into the show. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I'm and talk to you all tonight. I can nerd out about recruiting. <laughs> today today is like Christmas to me. Hey, hey, my guy can definitely nerd out on recruiting. He <laughs> was uh Gunter Brewer's main right hand man yes, for all his recruiting and everything. And yes, uh, sir. I think it's only right, Grant. Only right. Kick things off the show, having you on, we tell the best Grant Mulligan story possible. Oh, so, <laughs> so this is Grant's first day me. as a student assistant out there at practice, and uh, we need bodies for the walkthrough. Second day, now nah, get me right, get me right. Second day, day. <laughs> second day is worse. I mean, you got worse. a full day to watch refs. I know. So second day he comes out, <laughs> and we need bodies out there. And uh, during a walkthrough, you're not supposed to go for the ball. You're not supposed to hit the players, do anything like that. I mean, we're literally walking through everything, walking, no jog, walking. And, uh, you know, Grant goes up and makes a play as a DB. I'll make a play. I'll make I a mean, play. just absolutely bats the ball down and gives it the two-hand DB, no no fly zone catch. The whole thing gets caught on camera. Grant, were you getting dog cussed after that? I don't absolutely. think. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. And <laughs> I, was, I, never... <laughs> I was laughing because I thought it was hilarious because, I mean, yeah. that never happens. That never happens. In no game. one told me. No one told <laughs> he Look, look, in my defense, and I – you know, full disclosure, 
moronic in hindsight, right? <laughs> but full disclosure, a coach who pulled me out there, who put me at safety, the only instructions he gave me were get out there and play safety. And I knew, okay, obviously the the mind is going off. Don't hit him. Don't injure somebody, right? But Jawan, if Jawan wants to hang one right over my head, what am I going to do? I'm a playmaker, man. I, I got to make the play. <laughs> yeah, I'm a playmaker. <laughs> I could have picked it off. The thing is, I didn't want to get too flashy with it. I could have picked it off. I didn't put two hands on it. I put one hand and batted it and gave him that. That was <laughs> that is amazing. That's that's amazing. Well, yeah. tell me a little bit about what you did as a recruiting assistant. What does that look like on a day to day basis? Well, other than making plays on the ball in practice, <laughs> right. um, that number one responsibility. The number one responsibility, of course, is that. But so, like Vince said, I was assigned to Brewer, and that's who I'd worked with my entire two years there in the recruiting department. Most of my job was evaluation, so I'd go through both receivers uh being primarily but he also coaches recruiting area so i'd watch all positions within the area and then i'd also just try to keep tabs on all the national guys or whoever else our staff would want is that i was constantly in a state of watching film evaluating writing reports just trying to put us in position to to have a leg up we see a guy who i think is about to pop or a guy who we maybe let slip through the cracks who we can make a play on so um, talent evaluation was, was job one. And then anything and everything that Brewer needed me to do was job two. What's which... the weirdest thing he asked you to do? <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I gotta I ask. I've gone to multiple gas stations to find a very, this is just, this sums him up as a guy, but he's very particular about his sunflower seeds. So he, <laughs> he only wants the one brand. So it's like, and one gas station had it. So I'd do that. I've, uh, yeah, the pickle flavor. I've I've done everything from pizza runs to I've delivered hardwood to his house. I've definitely I took, football related. Sure. I took Tutu Atwell to the dentist. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> one one time I took I took uh, I took Gorgie Jang to get his feet cleaned at the mall Let's go. one time when I was in college. That was that was probably one of the cooler. He fit in a Nissan Altima, believe it or not. Uh, it was a close fit, but he did. It was fit. a close fit. What yeah. a great job. In, in all reality, Grant had a hand in getting uh, just about every receiver from the moment we all started working there in 2019 until the point to where we left. And Grant was doing such a good job at what he was doing. I mean, he tried to leave after 2019, and Burr wouldn't let him. <laughs> that did happen. Burr was like, no, that you can't happen. leave. I need you. And uh, Grant, on numerous occasions, you guys know I worked with Burr as well. So Burr clearly had two guys working with him. That's how, like – high maintenance and how much stuff he needed. So Grant handled all the recruiting and I handled all the like football mm. on the field meeting stuff and everything. And I mean, the, the kids saved my ass more times than I can count. Yes, sir. Thank you. Great. What a trip down memory lane. I know. Brew, Brew would be great. so proud right now. I wish you I feel like I need to, uh, but let's I dive wish. into it. We're here to talk uh, recruiting. That's Grant's expertise. Uh, just a quick overview, uh, Louisville signs uh, a total of 12 high school recruits, and I believe it's, what, six transfers, so mm -hmm. 18 players signed, letters of intent today, headlined by Madden Sanker, Aaron Williams, and Pierce Clarkson, uh, the three kind of um, – three of the four pillars of this class. We'll get into DeAndre Moore here in a few minutes. Um, and then along the way, they keep just about every single guy in the fold. I mean, they, they lose Raekwon Atkins, Atkins to Cincinnati, uh, but they hang on to Stanquan Clark – 
Uh, they hang on to Adonijah Green, um, and then they pick up a couple of new recruits in uh, Kiwan Brown, um, and then uh, Sadiq Clements, obviously. Uh, overall, a really good day for Louisville. They kind of escape this massacre with, that was kind of predicted to happen uh, of all these guys um, decommitting. So, Matt, ever, after covering the full day, what's the biggest storyline that people should be paying attention to on National Signing Day for Louisville? I think it's probably the fact that they were able to keep uh, Adonia Green and Stan Quan Clark. Uh, Clark, I think, was at bigger risk of flipping because Miami was after him um, with Green. I know UC was after him. I know there was another team once upon a time that was after him, but they kind of faded into the background as we got closer to uh, the signing period. But those are two guys who legitimately – could see meaningful reps year one. Adonai Green has the mold, has the motor of someone who should play on Sundays. And Stan Quan Clark it was the starting middle linebacker for a team, a high school team that finished number two in the nation, trailing only St. John Bosco. I mean, Stan Quan Clark is a, is a really is, is a thumper. He's a town downhill guy. He he fits the mold of what you would want in a defense like this now of course the roles are going to be a little bit different now that they're transitioning from a a 3-4 to a 4-2-5 but regardless you can he's the kind of player where you find a way to scheme him in there because he's that good so Louisville being able to hold on to those two guys are probably the biggest storylines amongst the guys who actually signed yeah and that's a great kind of segue into DeAndre Moore obviously um the he holds off on signing it I didn't even did he ever show up to the Bosco he did not. Uh, he did no not show. show up. Okay. Well, hey, that's certainly one way to make a splash. Uh, not the weirdest thing that happened today on signing day. I was following a couple of super weird things, uh, but that's recruiting for you. Presley, you just went out to uh, the Fern Creek Roosters to listen to Jeff Brom talk about a lot of these guys. Was there anything uh, that stood out to you uh, that he talked about uh, in regards to any one specific recruit or any kind of big storyline? Was the creek on the rise out there at Roosters? The creek is on the rise. Bro, let me tell you something. Just like, first of all, just to preface this, uh, I went to quite a few coaches' shows this year. Uh, as you guys know, my my dad, my aunt and uncle, really, they don't miss many coaches' shows. It's just something we've always done. People were obviously not very bought into Satterfield, but um, after that, the loss to, I believe it was Boston College, there were nine people there for Scott Satterfield's show. Nine. Like that, that week, like every week they do like a drawing. They couldn't even get people to submit questions. So they just gave us uh, six tickets to the, to the next game. Um, so with that in mind, when I heard about Jeff Brom's first show being at the Fern Creek Roosters, number one, that Roosters is about twice the size of, of the one that we normally go to um, over in the East End. And number two, uh, it, that place was, was packed to the gills. There was a line then. Um, they gave out T-shirts to like the first, I don't know, 35. I got a T-shirt. Like the first 35, 40 people that, that came in the door. Um, it was a who's who of, of Louisville Twitter that was there. Uh, I saw everybody involved in the athletic department was there. Uh, and on top of that, uh, it, as far as what the coaches talked about, obviously Jeff Brom knows that he has the city's ear, right? And so he could say just about anything and make everybody crack up laughing. Like it could be the stupidest joke ever and everybody's <laughs> just going to die laughing. Uh, so that was, that was very interesting. But as far as players go, uh, Ivy and 
and Brom both mentioned Stan or not Stan Kwan Clark, but uh, uh Don Adonai Green. That's how you pronounce his name, Adonai. So think about Addo, and then the, the like break it into two. So Naya, like the J is like a I. Like we're big on name pronunciations on this. Yeah, I just want to say before you go any further, I want to establish the fact that I've had his name right you so have. from the jump. You have. You I've have. been way wrong. Jacob who gets it wrong. I apologize. I still, I, I've heard you all say it, and I still don't think I could pronounce it. So I'm, I'm a little worried. It's just because it's the J. Really throw, at the J there you go. You off and I have to do, question myself every time I say it, uh, but we'll get used to it because uh, it sounds like this is, he's, he's might be the gym of the class. Uh, in, in, in my opinion, I, I think that he is besides, and we'll get, we will get into this a little bit later. Jamari Johnson. I think Adonai Green is, right now is the clear uh, established just, just dog in this class that they felt that they had to get, and they did. Uh, and I, I love the measurables when they were talking about him. Right now, he, he is about 6'5", 200 pounds, uh, but he has a wingspan of, of estimated 7 foot to 7 foot 1. So my man has like a – yeah, he has like a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo wingspan. Uh, and But he's – but Mark Ivey estimated that he's going to be able to put on 50 to 60 pounds in the next couple of years. Oh so he's going to be, they foresee, they foresee him being like uh, in a similar way that Ashton Gelati was right. Like coming out of high school, we're like, I mean, and, and Grant, you could probably speak to this more, more than any of us can. Uh, but Ashton was, you know, he was played in an area where they don't really produce great talent. I don't think uh, it, it, he's from Florida, but the, the area where he's from is Boca Raton which is known as like a kind of a snooty like retirement community. Yeah. And that where the old folk live, that's your, yes. your kind of people when you were down there being Florida. Exactly. Pressing. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, were down there. Like going, that's right. You know, it's like pulling a kid out of Naples. Like it just, it just doesn't, you know, that's not, that doesn't happen. And that's why he was, well, he was, he wasn't very highly recruited because of the area he was from. He didn't get a lot of exposure. He was essentially playing for like a, like what would a, would a played to like Butler or, or Doss or something like that. In Louisville. Uh, so so that was a real diamond in the rough, but uh, I, I think that he's comparable because that's a guy that came in. And he was like maybe 200, 210 pounds, but Mark Ivey described him as, as stronger because he was talking about that, that video that, that Jacob loved so much described, described, uh, uh, described Ashton as, as a kid that's just stronger than, than he even realizes. It was hysterical. Jody pointed out the video and Mark was like, I wasn't focused on me bleeding or getting picked up. I was focused on, Ashton just shaking the poor QA like a rag doll, just absolutely just just taking him out. Wasn't that Mike Stout? Mike got about to say, dude, that's a former All American, like, well, I mean, not All American, but former All Conference nose tackle, dude. Yeah, and he just he just took him. Now, granted, it was a little bit by surprise, but he just took him and just like shook him like a like a little baby. So, which you don't want to do, by the way. It was like a dog throw that out. You do not want to do that. If you're listening, we do not endorse baby shaking. You can go ahead and put that in the intro. We do not endorse baby shaking on this podcast. Uh, But no, that's obviously the name that stands out. Another name uh, that that I've heard mentioned a lot, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that DeAndre Moore is still kind of undecided, or we don't really know. I don't even know if he knows what he's going to do. William Foles, I believe, is how you pronounce his name. This is a guy, I mean, I, I didn't really know a bunch about him because I think that he kind of committed in a time where we had a bunch of really big name guys uh, kind of, on, you know, in the fold. So we we're just like, ah, oh, another wide receiver. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, At he would have been the top looking- receiver in any other class Satterfield had. Yes. Uh, just seen about yes. close to it. 
That's correct. And and but when you look at his tape, I mean, dude is an absolute stud. He's probably six two or six three. Uh, already has a really muscular frame, really muscular build, and he's a guy that. You know, he's not like of the I don't want to say he's like a Chris Bell because he's he's not that like he's not like a beefy dude. Like he's just he's jacked. Like he's like one of those dudes that like has that really athletic frame. Like who are we talking about? Uh, there, there was a coach that that uh, we were talking about the other night that that essentially he just wanted to look at players ankles because they, they knew if they had that calf to ankle ratio, they're going to have that speed. You know I don't think we about? had that. We did not have that conversation. Oh, here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm confused sure. on what you were doing. Talking that had to be on your other show. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was uh, uh, rest in peace, um, uh, Mike Leach, mm. that he would just go in and look at recruits when they when they would come in to visit, and he would tell them to pull up their pants so he could see their ankles. This, so William Foles is a guy that's going to have that excellent an- ankle ratio. Like he's just built, he's just built to play football. Grant, you know what I'm talking about, man. You recruited players, yeah. Grant, you, you know what I'm talking about. Brew would walk in and be like, "Bro, how's the ankles? Are they good? So what are those ankles looking like?" Did, he, did Brew wouldn't even say hi first, man. He went straight to the ankles. He's straight he to the, the ankles. He's he like the, feet the, guy the magnifying me, glass out. Now there is there is science that. behind that. I, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. watch like those sports sciences on like uh, Olympic yeah, sprinters the, and that sort of the stuff. The skinnier they are, the more athletic you are. We, yes, we, the skinnier your ankles we, are, yeah, the, the more athletic you tend to be. That is absolutely 100% fact. It sounds stupid, but it's absolutely true. Um, so he's one of those kids that he's just built like he's like he just has that athletic, just like he probably j- could just like eat like shit all the time and still have a sick pack type <laughs> of kid. But he can he can jump like he just can like jump me. like crazy, just like Vince Lacoco. We're not talking about that kind of six pack Vince. Uh, but dude, dude can freaking jump out of the gym, which I know that's more of a basketball phrase, but uh, great leaping ability kind of has like that Devontae Parker go up and get it type of uh, type of mentality. So, but also obviously has has the speed to play the next level. So that's a, that's the second guy. If you're looking for offense, uh, that's another guy that stands out. And those are the two guys that were pointed out and probably talked about at, at, at length the most from the, from the coaches. Uh, what who I would compare him to if you're comparing him to a former Louisville player, it's got to be Des Fitzpatrick, right? I think that's the easiest, the, the easiest player comp. I could be totally off on that, but just from what I've seen on tape, I don't think there's necessarily a player that's Louisville, Louisville's had in the last 10, 15 years that that is a direct comparison to him. But I'd say cl- as close as you're going to get in, in the last couple of decades is, is Des Fitzpatrick. Regardless of what happens with Moore, the wide receiver position is in a good spot because you get, um, you know, obviously you get the transfers and Jaden Thompson from Cincinnati and Jimmy Callaway. I'm going to call him Jimmy Cooks Callaway all year long. Like that's just <laughs> happening. They continue to add these guys and now there's a lot of depth, right? You have uh, potentially Mari Huggins, Bruce coming back. You know, we've heard some kind of murmurs about potentially Braden Smith getting a waiver of some kind and being able to come back for another year. Uh, and then you add in Chris Bell and Chance Morrow who were in last year's class, plus these guys, and they're, they're probably not done. So um, the wide receiver spots in a good class and a good spot. Grant, what do you think overall uh, biggest surprise, biggest uh, disappointment? What do you think uh, for little? My biggest surprise, I guess, is how hard Brom has addressed the portal so quickly. Uh, I, I think it's funny. I don't know if anybody else has pointed this out yet, but he's recruited everybody in pairs. So he has two wide receivers, two safeties, two defensive ends. Just oh, that, that, that. <laughs> that's interesting. So anyways, that's not the point I'm trying to make. But I think it's he realizes that this is a roster ready to contend now, and he knows what he has in the recruiting class from high schoolers. But I think it showed a lot of 
knowledge of the roster and awareness of where we're at to address places that needed impact players right now. Like we're losing Yasir Abdullah, we're losing Yaya Diaby, and he made it a tremendous priority to go and get defensive line depth. Guys who have untapped potential, especially both of the guys he got through the portal are guys, well, Heron, he's more established, but the the Penn State, he has a lot of that physicality, the untapped potential. You see him up in person, he reminds you of Yaya from a phys- from a purely physical perspective. He's only played, I think it was 12 snaps. He hasn't gotten the opportunity, but he still has a lot of career and a more clear path to getting into a rotation already. And I think that Brahm has done an excellent job in identifying where we could really benefit from the portal and where we can really have guys come in and, and start day one, where they can have roles to significant minutes that could really start putting us on, on a path to compound on what we started winning on last year and to put us in a better position both to fit his scheme. Because you know you have to remember, even offensively and defensively, we're making a scheme change, and we're going to need guys that fit what he's looking for and there's a lot of guys who are currently on the roster who luckily have the versatility to fit both. But my biggest surprise was that he really took off and started hitting the portal. And, and he's making great use of that so far. I guess I, a lot of people, including myself, get so caught up in the fun of, of how great this 2023 high school class is. That, and most people's transfer mind was on getting running back or getting quarterback because it's known that the staff wants to go and get a, a, a one-year starter at quarterback before Pierce is ready or to get Pierce ready to play. But he's making legitimate impact transfer additions to get the team ready to go and ready to continue on this positive momentum, both offensively and defensively. And that's been a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, they had so much roster turnover that they were expecting with all those kind of key guys that were holdovers or who came in pretty early in the in the Satterfield era. They knew they were going to lose all of that. And I had said, if you guys remember, that Satterfield could not afford a rebuilding season next year, that they were going to have to address the portal, uh, address a lot of the roster through the portal because of how many impact guys that they were losing uh, and how many guys really just have not played any snaps behind them? I mean, even guys like Cam Wilson and Popeye Williams, they saw the field, but it's very limited number of snaps that you don't necessarily feel comfortable handing that starting position over uh, at you know at that level that quickly. But um, Jeff Brom, you're right; he's addressing in the portal. And what's important also to kind of note here, and we've talked about this the other night, is it's it's not at the Alcorn States and the Central Arkansas. He's getting guys from major power football programs, Penn State, Tennessee. I know Cincinnati's not necessarily considered that, but all these guys who have come in are former top 200, 300 kids, former four-star players, um, and they're really going to put Louisville's roster in a good spot next year. Grant, was there anything that was disappointing today? I mean, obviously the DeAndre Moore news <clears throat> kind of hurts, but it seems like Louisville's still got a chance at least to get him into the fold. Is there anything else that stood out as disappointing to you? I believe that Presley already talked about this already, but if you have read my article about Jamari Johnson, you will know how deeply disturbed, not disturbed, deeply disappointed <laughs> I am that, <laughs> disturbed, that, that we haven't brought him in the fold yet. You watch his tape. It is a blast. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. He has two years of playing tight end. He was a quarterback before that he's converted and he's already showed so much promise in his route running and his physicality, his athletic traits are off the charts. I mean, this is a guy who looks ready to play on Sundays today. He is just a 
physical specimen and why he's mostly an outside receiver right now he doesn't necessarily have that blocking repertoire that's going to be demanded playing the tight end position here the you're willing to teach him that but the receiving repertoire he has right now is rare to say the least i mean that that's the best way to put it is rare you don't see tight ends in high school with that kind of rack ability run after catch ability the ability to just run folks over throw a juke on him can make in a in a same play he can make the same guy miss three different ways yeah. i mean those are the kind of guys that you want to and i hope that brahman staff do leading up to the decision date but you need to put a full court press on him to get him to sign get him to commit because you they're rare they're one of one or one of however little number you can't find kids with this size, height, weight, speed, athletic profile, just in high school, especially like these are kids you need to put the press on and you need to close the deal on. There's a reason that he got offered by Alabama and Miami after he was already committed to us because the kid is a freak and I'm very disappointed we didn't sign him today. So that's so like, out of the two, which one, if I had to ask you, which one would you prefer to sign more or you're breaking my heart, Vince. You're making me choose. It's like making me choose between my kids. You know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, it's freak time, showtime at heart. But man, I don't know if they, I love DeAndre. I think he would be a beast in this offense, but I don't know if they make him any freakier than Jamari. I don't know. He's, he's a true, he's a specimen. And I think that that is something that we would, would be dearly missed. I think he, that the mismatch that he gives you, going against the defense what do you put on to cover that kind of talent that kind of speed that kind of athleticism line he's too fast for linebackers he's too big strong physical for corners and safeties like deandre moore is fantastic and i don't and me saying this i don't want to take anything away from deandre moore he would be a monster here especially in the offense but jamari johnson is a special talent uh let's talk a little bit about (laughs) The freshmen that are enrolling early, because I think that's always a really interesting narrative and part of, you know, kind of the success of the class right away. Um, Matt, I don't know if you have the list pulled up or if you know off offhand the guys that are enrolling early, but I know that there's seven total I, that will I be do. here. Okay. Who who are they and, and what can we expect when uh, spring ball rolls around in the right month of, of March when you're actually supposed to do spring football? Yeah, I know. So Luke Burgess, Stanquan Clark, Pierce Clarkson, William Fowles, Adonai Green. Oh, God, this is the one name that I'm still not 100% certain on. Kataris Hicks? How do you pronounce that? I think that's right, I, but that's I have right. no idea. Okay. I don't think it is because I remember Brom saying it a little bit different and it threw me off, and I'm still not 100% sure how you say we'll it. We'll get there. But we it, got until September anyways, of next year. Yeah, no, seriously. But anyways, <laughs> him and then Madden Sanker. So those are your seven that are enrolling early. I love that. Um, Grant, talk a little bit to your experience of getting guys in here and um, kind of behind the scenes what coaches are looking for very early on when they enroll and kind of how they're going to get into the flow of college football and then making an impact. The most important thing when you're coming in early is the willingness and readiness to learn because you've got guys ahead of you. You've got your coaches who are going to be taking you with them the whole rest of the way, teaching you the new scheme, getting you ready in practice, showing you how it's gone, showing you how the position group works. That's a, that's a very underrated part of the process in itself is understanding the chemistry in the room, understanding what the locker room is like, understanding what your new teammates are going to be like. 
building the bond and the team chemistry is an extremely underrated part of team building, especially for a leadership position like quarterback or inside linebacker, guys who have a voice in the huddles. So being able to have guys like Pierce and Stanquan there early where they can go ahead and start building rapport with their fellow offensive and defensive teammates is just as important as starting to absorb the scheme and starting to get reps in because these are the guys that you're going to war with come in the fall. And it's so much easier when you have six extra months or less than that, but you have those extra months of building a bond with these guys and learning what they're like and starting to, for a quarterback, starting to build chemistry with your receivers and finding out what they like, finding out your offensive lines timing, you know, offensive line it's a it's a really big group for because you're going to be working alongside your other four guys who are on the line with you establishing timing establishing the feel for what the guy next to you wants to do in a certain situation i think chemistry ultimately both as a friendship as a brotherhood but when the game's actually going on being able to build that chemistry is a huge leg up for the early enrollees I, I just the thing that I always took away from spring ball and uh, it was the two years that I was doing the student assistant stuff with Grant and sat in those guys, uh, guys like Amari Huggins, Bruce, whenever they would whenever he early enrolled, like uh, him and I would be texting and I would, you know, be making specific tests and things like that for Amari, for freshmen uh, to do uh, little things like, you know, how far is this and that, uh, the spacing between formations and things like that. Uh, like Grant said, the practice, being able to practice is like the big thing, being able to practice in a fast and efficient way and not getting hurt. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of times where you see freshmen go out there and they pack with somebody with no pads on because they don't know the speed of what to play. And they're just excited to be on a college football field. You know what that I seems, mean? It's that seems silly. I, I mean, I don't like know. I don't play football. Kids, and I kids, wouldn't do that. I, you're not. You're not thinking. You're just. You yeah. just go. Read. I mean, you still have a helmet on. Sure. No, no I, I get you. You don't really. But I mean, learning how to practice, uh, getting those extra reps in with the film room. Those are going to be the two things that are key. And I'm. I'm most excited for this group to get in early, specifically Pierce, so he can learn. Uh, things move fast at the college level. I mean. Uh, you can have a safety, two high safety, and that can flip to a one high safety real quick, or no high or no safeties, and you know now you're sitting there like, oh shit, what's my ex doing backside? And then you miss your check down, and as soon as you start thinking, that's when problems start to you know come up. Do you all feel like this class is a little bit wise beyond their years, just like off of the cusp, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they seem like so about their business? All of them are some form of champion for the most part, they all come from, you know, pretty prestigious schools from whether it's Miami, California, uh, Georgia, you know, they've really recruited from a high level. I mean, even Micah Carter with St. X this season. And um, ah, I, I wouldn't use that a high level St. X really. Yeah. You're a little salty, bro. Salty. I mean, I know. <laughs> He's so salty. You hear the saltiness in his voice every time he talks. <laughs> Louisville's got a graduate transfer from Trinity who came home after playing at Stanford, and he wants yeah, to – And he's awesome. He is, but you want to <laughs> whine about Micah Carter. But, no, in all seriousness, 
Do you guys kind of feel like this class? I mean, they're just going to come in and I feel like they're just going to elevate the level of expectation of what it means to go about your business. And I don't know any of these kids. They might come in and be, you know, they might F around and do stupid stuff. I have no idea. You know, they're still kids at heart, but they just seem like they are about football. And I think that that's a big deal when it comes to getting the right kids in the right places. And Louisville's in a place, especially schedule wise, program wise, the open ACC, they're in a spot to contend for the playoffs in a couple of years. I think this class is coming in really, really focused. Like you said, Jacob, uh, here's, I know, I mean, he's the one everybody wants to talk about, but he's, he's truly coming in as one of the most polished, fundamentally sound quarterbacks that we've ever signed in this school's history. I mean, people go to his father for quarterback coaching, collegiate and professional players. So he's poured all that into his son. And it's not like you're getting a, Todd Marinovich, there's a throwback for you guys. Todd Marinovich, you know, <laughs> where he hates his dad and he doesn't want to play football type deal. Like, no, this kid wants it. He wants that responsibility. He wants to be captain. You know, he wants to be the face of the program and lead men. And it seems like the rest of his group in this class wants to follow him. I mean, they're, they're all leaders in their own right, but somebody has to lead. One person has to lead and the rest have to get behind him and follow. And it seems like Pierce is doing that in the right direction. Is that the is that Tim McGraw's son in Friday Night Lights? Is that who you're talking about? I have no idea what Tom Marinovich, old USC no, quarterback, old USC quarterback back in the day, lefty was. No, God, to be I have like no this. idea. I thought that was some kind of reference. No oh, clue what you're talking about. Oh okay, God. all right. I'm sorry. I I'm way sorry. But but anyways, uh, kind of building on on your point. I mean, when you look at the amount where these schools, uh, these recruits are coming from. I mean. Louisville has six commits from the number one and number two ranked teams in high school football in St. John Bosco and Miami Central. That's a hell of a stat. That's why you're on this show right here. That is you. You just made your money tonight with that stat alone, brother. I, I'm fist bumping you I mean, through the camera right here. That's well, a hell I pay of a this stat. man the little bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> I, it, it seems like this class – and and not trying to poo-poo on previous classes because obviously a lot of these guys come from winning pedigrees, period, no matter where like what level they come from. But it seems like this class, more so than in previous classes, has the, the winning pedigree here is at a much higher level. Like it it seems that Louisville is obviously they're not recruiting on par with you know the Ohio States, the Bamas, the Oregons today. Um, but they're they're taking a meaningful step forward in terms of upping their big boy recruiting. And the fact that they were able to pull six guys from the two winningest teams in high school football right now like kind of speaks volumes to that. Yeah, I, I really do feel like Louisville is just in a position to start kind of climbing upwards. And I know we shit on Jeff Brom for the longest time, and we've we've kind of hashed out how we've gotten to the point of being supportive and it's hard to not support when he's done literally everything right today, literally everything right. I know they didn't walk away with Deandre Moore and Jamari Johnson, but they literally, I mean, how often grant just from a, a perspective of being in recruiting and knowing the landscape, how, how common is it for a new staff to come in and keep 95% of the players in, in the fold? Like that's not common. It can't be. No, it, what we're seeing right now, is a true testament to Brahms mentality and how he brought in and approached this. Cause as soon as he got here, he was already making calls and making trips to California and making trips to Miami and it's work, but I want to, I want to highlight 
a few people behind the scenes and they've been starting yes. to get their love recently. Yep. And the reason that this is kept together is because the connections are not just made by the coaches we had, but the great connections they had with Pete Nocta and John Heron, Coach Hova. Without those two, we're going to see this class get decimated, get cut up. It's it's so rare to be able to keep at least to some degree some people on the staff who have such a close relationship with these recruits. And everybody keeps talking about how much NIL is mattering these days and, and this, that, and the other. But relationships are still the most important driving factor. And being able to maintain or have somebody on staff to maintain this relationship and to show or to introduce like, hey, I've got your best interest at heart. And I, I promise you that Brom has your best interest in heart. Being able to have those guys that you have a relationship with guys that you trust guys that have spent a lot of time talking to you to introduce you and to make you believe that you're in good hands is really what allowed this to come together. So Pete Nocta and John Heron, and then the other guys in the recruiting office who don't get nearly enough love, like Ryan Fleming, graduate assistant um, guys like that, the interns who help pull all that off. I mean, it's without this, the investment in the recruiting office, this class is not retained, at least to this degree. I mean, it's the relationships that really matter. Yeah. And we talked about this uh, the other, the other night on our show, um, you, you have a full staff that just got turned over and here they are hosting a massive recruiting weekend. I mean, what did I tell you guys? That's more about the people behind the scenes than it is. anything else. Um, what was your role in helping them to make the decision to get rid of the ripped up picture backdrop? Because <laughs> I know yeah, maybe they didn't do that before, uh, but we talked about this the other night. My God, how obvious those rips were in the floor of that. It was uh, just hilariously bad. That one was actually, I believe that one was after me. So did you or, ever tell them like, guys, maybe you should replace that. It was a pain in the ass to set up too, Jacob. Yes. It's not like the thing was easy to like, oh, no. yeah, we're using this out of convenience. No, no. It was probably it's some a... random two-star from, from Elizabethtown, yeah. Kentucky that ripped it on accident that had no <laughs> chance of ever playing for Louisville. Like, that's totally what happened there. Um, it's just those little things in recruiting that crack me up. Like, you know, they got a ripped backdrop. Like, come I on. because they, they let them get on it with cleats. Yeah, put some tennis shoes on. Give them some Adidas. Like, you give them some Yeezys or some Boost or something. That, man. that like, was the major it's issue. so obvious. Well, it's like, okay, anybody who's ever been to a wedding, right? Like, they don't put out the runner until the bride's about to walk down the aisle because even people with dress shoes on are going to tear that shit up. All right, well, they're putting out a runner and letting, like, 300-pound dudes with cleats on walk all over and being like, oh, we can use that again. Like, such a male mentality, right? Like, just like, yeah, we can do that again. That's fine. Not a big deal. There comes a point in every man's life where they make a decision to grow up and and clean their clothes and wash their armpits. But... <laughs> <laughs> for, for the football staff, it took a little bit longer. So it's we're gonna step away real quick. No, we're gonna come back on the other side, and I want to grant. I want to run through five to ten prospects. Maybe we'll do five on offense, five on defense, uh, and just Absolutely. tell us what the tape says, as we've been doing uh, on stateofloval.com for the longest time. Uh, what I want to talk about tonight 
is T-Shirt Hooligan and Jawar Jordan. Uh, if you are near your computer right now, T-ShirtHooligan.com is where you need to go uh, to get your Jawar Jordan gear. Uh, we are excited to partner with him and, and a deal um, to feature some merch for him because he is a absolute stud in Louisville in the running back room. Uh, so make sure T-Shirt Hooligan, you go over there, cop the Air Jaws merch. Uh, I've got some. I know uh, Vince has got the Isaac Martin stuff that we've had up there, which if you're still interested in that. That's right. Mine is on the way as well. Uh, so check that out and be sure to support Jawar. That's a big deal around here. We want to make sure that we're supporting those athletes and putting some money in their pockets by uh, buying their merch and, and supporting them. So do that. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, some of the big high-profile uh, commitments and what it means for excuse me signees and what it means for Louisville next season on the roster. All right, we're back on the other side here from the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Vincent Lacoco, who doesn't want to be the host of the show here, Matt McGavick, Presley Meyer, and Grant wow. Mulligan. I know, I'm throwing you under the bus. Wow. A little bit of the, the dirty laundry here. Whenever uh, we get a studio and we actually start recording in person, I think our audience, you know, deserves a visual, you know, us getting recorded while we're recording so they can see me whoop your ass. Just every one of us is getting slugged on the shoulder. Yeah, right. When he doesn't yep. like what you say. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's let's dive into some of the absolute specifics of these recruit the the recruits and you know what they mean for Louisville. We've talked a lot about the class for a long time and how important it is to the future. But what does that look like on the field? So, Grant, I want to come to you. You've done breakdowns of each one of these athletes, and Matt, uh, of course, same for you, man. I know you've done uh, breakdowns of each of these, so I want you guys to jump in with your football expertise. But let's start at the top uh, with the offense. Um, what does Pierce Clarkson bring from a football perspective? We know about off the field. He's already got his own company. The billboards were really cool. He's really been the pioneer of kind of building this class. But as a quarterback, what is Louisville getting with Pierce Clarkson? Uh, in one word, polish. Vince brought this up whenever he was talking about him initially. Pierce is one of the most polished that we've seen coming in out of high school. And it's rare to see a kid like that. A lot of the time you get kids who are that highly rated because they have insane physical talent. Uh, they have a cannon arm and great mobility. Well, Pierce has great mobility and he has a lot of finesse, a lot of polish to his game that could really start to lead to some early minutes. You know, he has that coolness on the field. That's one of the things that jumps out on tape to me the most is that he's not somebody who gets panicked under pressure very much. He rolls out. He's still keeping his eyes downfield. He's still trying to make the play with his arm, rolls out when necessary. Very effective at that. But he's great at keeping his eyes downfield, even when he knows he's going to take a shot and delivering the ball accurately in a place where his receiver can make a play on it. He's got accuracy from a multitude of different platforms. He can make the throws in the pocket. He can make the throws on the run. He has that poise that you're really looking for for a longtime starter at the quarterback position. He's a lot of fun to watch. I thought, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but in his senior, from his junior season to his senior season, I saw an increase in arm strength. I thought his balls flew further He with more zip. Uh, it was arriving faster. If you had to pick out one thing out of Pierce's game, be it his deep balls, his composure, uh, what's what's the best thing that he does? What should I be like? All right, Pierce doesn't really have to work on this. Let's focus on, you know, something else that is in history. He, he has a lot of very strong attributes to his game, but I have to say 
just his his cool under pressure like i already discussed there are multiple times on film where he takes a shot from a defender and unloads it down the field and is able to make a completion that seems so improbable but and of course he's got great receivers that he's throwing to but he's still under you know strenuous situations he's getting pass rush he's not afraid to take the hit he's not scared he knows what he needs to do he understands his responsibility as a quarterback and i think from a kid that young He's clearly, I mean, having a, a quarterback coach dad growing up, he has a, a ton of maturity to his game. I mean, he plays like a player who's been starting in college for three, four years now. And I think that's really going to pay off. And that's something that you're not going to see as many as the early freshman, sophomore mistakes that you see in a lot of the game. You know, the the ill-advised interceptions, the running out of the pocket way too early. That part of his game is already so clean for where he's at. I think that that's really the strength of his game is that he is so mentally poised that he's going to be ready whenever his time comes. Whenever his number is called, he's going to be ready for it. I worry a little bit about um, just the the size. He's a, he's a smaller quarterback, more kind of built in the Russell Wilson frame. We saw him deal with some injury issues this year. I know he missed a couple of games with a concussion and had some ankle issue, issues. And um, so you worry a little bit about that early on. But is there anything else in his game that you think, you know, is a little bit of a not, not concern, but just something to watch that needs more development than maybe the rest of the traits? I've, uh, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, injury, there, w- there was a little bit of concern there because he had, he had the concussion midway through the season. He was dealing with an ankle. And a lot of these times when you pull a highly tatted quarterback from like a St. John Bosco or a Matter Day or a Central or, you know, one of these recruiting like hotspot high schools and you pluck and where they're used to being surrounded by talent upon talent upon talent and you thrust them into a new environment, they can sometimes have a little bit of a tough time, you know, transitioning unless they, of course, are going to an Alabama or a Clemson where there's already buttloads of talent all over the roster. But those concerns were pretty much quashed whenever he the California State playoffs started because I was I was of the mentality where I was pretty dead set on okay Louisville needs to go with a one year grad transfer quarterback and they still are probably going to it at some point but I was pretty dead set on saying yeah Pierce needs a year to get to get developed but then. He helps St. John Bosco now. St. John Bosco was pretty run heavy with uh, Izzy Polk, but he was putting up insane numbers on a weekly basis. He was able to lead St. John Bosco to a huge victory over Matter Day, someone who they lost to in the regular season to kind of clinch the division. And then they play Junipero Sierra in the California State playoff, another really good team. And that's just like two, just two of the few really highly tatted California schools that he that they face in the playoffs and they handily defeated like they they blitzed through the playoffs so and a lot of it was due to the fact that Clarkson was just on another level so me watch watching him go through the playoffs I'm thinking I'm starting to warm up to the fact that okay maybe maybe if worse comes to worse and Louisville either doesn't have an option for a one-year like holdover at quarterback Pierce could start day one. I don't think it's the most ideal because you're always going to be a little bit uneasy starting a true freshman at quarterback, but given what I saw out of him in the playoffs, I wouldn't be completely uncomfortable with the notion. All right. Johnson's still there. 
Yeah, and and uh, I don't think they're done at the position. Jeff Brom was asked today about quarterback specifically. I, I loved Matt. Oh, my God, this is a great point to bring up real quick. You asked him about – this is the best part of his press conference. You asked him about what positions he would target in the portal, and he talked about the offensive line, and then he talked about the defensive line, but he said, mm-hmm. we already have guys there. And then he was like, we just want to add football players. And I'm just like, yeah. Matt's so pissed right now. He is so <laughs> mad. He wants an answer, and he said he just wants football players. Um, let's talk a little bit about Matt and Sanker because you have two guard positions open in the starting lineup this year with Caleb Chandler departing uh, and Indonis Boone also departing. So – you know, uh, Luke Kandra was the shoe in for one of those. So really you have three starters at guard that are gone now. So you're talking about really having to find somebody, whether it be the portal or this class grant, what about Madden Sanker? He's a top 200 kid. He's the, one of the highest linemen that's ever committed to Louisville may be the highest. I don't know if he is the highest. That's incredible. So uh, I know it's really hard for freshmen to get onto the field because of, you know, being in the right position from a body standpoint, but what about this kid stands out to you on tape? I think talking about the the guard spots that that are open, I think Madden Sanker is an excellent left guard candidate just from a perspective of body type and what he's able to do. Uh, His footwork is excellent. It's exactly where you need it to be for a kid coming in. It's very advanced for his level. He plays against good competition where he is in Georgia. He's not going against, he's not going up against scrubs. He's going against real talented defensive linemen and he's holding his own. He has a great anchor. He might not be the heaviest. He might not be the tallest, but that wrestling background shows up every single week and where he understands the body positioning. He has natural strength. He's able to move people off the line. Uh, he has the the mentality, the demeanor that you want. And he has the frame to add some more weight, probably turn some of the fat to muscle, which is natural for any high school offensive lineman going into a college program. What and about 29-year-old 29, 29 men? How do you turn the fat into muscle for them? I'm just asking for a friend. I, not me. Last uh, beer. I've had two in the middle of the show, so not off to a good start. Yeah, Sorry. two we protein drinks. Say we're fucked. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> All right, go on. Sorry. But now you're good. His w- what is really promising about both these offensive linemen commits. I'm going to touch just briefly on on Burgess as well. Their mobility is exactly what you're looking for for a highly rated offensive lineman. You can find size, you can find strength in a lot of guys, but what always separates and what NFL scouts are looking for is guys who are big and who can move. And both Sanker and Burgess move exceptionally well for their size. Sanker can hit guys off balance. He can get to the second level. He can pull. He does everything you're looking for as a guard. The only thing that keeps him from being higher is really he isn't the biggest dude in the world, but he has that natural leverage. He's six four, what three five. He's state champion wrestler in Georgia, which is I'm not super versed on how good Georgia is in wrestling, but I can imagine it's Georgia. The they physical got dudes. talent they have. There it is. Balls. There it That's is. That's what I'm saying. You ask got, anybody from Georgia, Absolutely. it's the best of everything. Best football, basketball, yeah. chicken, everything. But I chicken. think, yeah. <laughs> They do have well, good well, hot wings. Y'all know it. Magic not, City, not bro. Magic yeah, City. of course. Right. <laughs> Grant's, ever, Grant's got a we're, we're just stealing Grant's thunder here, but I but I do I do no, have he to knew ask, what he he knew what he signed up for when he came I, on this show. I do very quickly want to ask though. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, you're more of the expert in this than, than we are. Uh maybe Vince a little bit, but especially you, Grant. Have you ever heard of an offensive lineman that's also a, a wrestler and, or an offensive lineman that even has <laughs> like like the the experience that he does in the in the wrestling no pun intended wrestling ring right 
this is actually really starting to get popularized amongst uh, um, offensive linemen, especially in high school. The top ranked, I believe he's still the top ranked, uh, Caden Proctor was Iowa's, or he he was a wrestler. Tristan Wirfs was a wrestler. A lot. We're really starting to see this being one of the breeding grounds for offensive line talent because it teaches you body positioning and you're you're developing the ability to have close combat and bending somebody up against their will. Uh, twisting, turning, keeping your body properly positioned. It's its one of those extracurricular activities that really help your game, like yoga or, or ballet for receivers that train footwork. But wrestling is really starting to get popularized with the, with these offensive line recruits. And you're starting to see some really high-ranking high guys and guys in the NFL who have come from that pipeline, that wrestling pipeline, who've, who've really translated that into their game. Vince, you know who else was the last? You know who the last wrestler was that signed with Louisville that I know of. I mean, there probably has been more. Do you know who it is? He was all state in the in the, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I don't know. Jared Dawson. Really? Yes, yeah, sir. Well, I, I was gonna say like I'm. I mean, I'm doing jujitsu now, and I'm wishing I did this the entire time I was playing. Like it's all the same. A lot of it complements each other. Just like Grant saying, Madden's gonna hit toss a lot of people based off his position and knowing where to place his hands and where, where to place his feet. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, they, all of our mo- majority of our offensive linemen wrestled at Trinity whenever I was in high school. And there it is. Uh, <laughs> when I was at Trinity. <laughs> yeah, we knew that was coming. Sorry, I'm sorry. This isn't a book podcast, Mr. Manual high school. <laughs> Wait, should, we talk about yeah. should we talk about that? I, I, I mean, I, I hear you guys enrollments up now. I mean, <laughs> but regardless wrestling and football are two things that i i would love you know most high school players to do unless you're somebody that's trying to gain weight and continue to keep weight on otherwise all that damn cardio you do in that hot ass room is not gonna do you any good <laughs> which is probably why madden sanker plays at the weight that he does i mean yeah i didn't even think about that i didn't didn't even put that together it's the same for a lot of these defensive linemen who play basketball I mean, they can't stay at a full, like, playing weight. Yeah. So I think, and, and we might touch on him later too, but, like, Micah Carter, he plays basketball as well, and he's, like, already a physical freak. And you have somebody that helped his game, but now that he's fully focused on football, he can really get his body type ready for just that sport. So I think we can definitely see Madden start to put, to put on that weight because for wrestling purposes, 305 probably benefited him a lot more. Yeah, it's like Tafik Thomas. I mean, he was 325 dropping 25 a game in high school basketball. Like that's un that's like that's when you know you've got a a stud. Like mm-hmm. it's just crazy the versatility and if you if you talk to athletes they say like don't specialize in one sport anymore. Like no. you need to spread out and you need to be able to do multiple things. Football players playing basketball, football players wrestling, football players playing other sports, doing other things is is good for them. And I always thought it was really interesting with Satterfield and, and company and Grant. You can kind of we don't need to speak about this, but like they always looked also for the mental side of things. So they would yes. recruit a lot of guys who had Yale offers, Columbia offers. They would all if you looked at who guys that they got in on early, they always were top of the line from an academic standpoint. Nice. Um, 
yeah, a bunch of nerds, right? Good luck, Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, no, but just because yeah, it was real hard to get into Louisville. That's why. Right, right. No, but you just it's it's that one like you want it to be smarter than your competition, right? So much Absolutely. of football is read and react now. They they didn't do a very good job of that a lot of times, but you know, you want to be able to have people who have high football IQs and you want people who can do wrestling and Brian Hudson's out here throwing shot put in the off season. Like I would, I want to feed Thomas to go play for Kenny Payne right now. Like let's make that happen. Yeah, you, uh, that's you always really see, great. Uh, you really see the, the toss come in and Brian Hudson's game whenever he's out there playing center, all those good snaps and everything. I'm sure that yeah. correlates in some way, right? I, they should let Brian Hudson throw a pass. You know, he'd, he'd put that thing like up by his ear and just rocket it 50 yards down the field. <laughs> I mean, it would be. It would I picked be up a shot put one time, threw it like a baseball, said, I'm done here. No, never again. <laughs> That's incredible. All right. Uh, let me ask you about um, Kiwan Brown. I don't know how much you know about him. I know he was kind of a, a last minute recruit, but yeah. he's the lone running back in the class right now. Matt, let me start with you because you probably did a, a little bit of a write up today. So it's probably more recent in your mind than it is with mm-hmm. Grant, who's kind of probably been watching film the last couple of weeks. But what can you tell me about Louisville's newest running back addition and what he'll bring uh, to a little bit of a different offense when it comes to running the football? I actually think he's a really underrated pickup. And when everything is said and done, he might be one of, he might be the most underrated addition to this class, like three years down the line. And we kind of reflect on what all they did. Cause you see how tall he is. He's five, nine. You automatically think, okay, this dude's going to be a burner, like coming from the JV and Hawkins uh, type archetype. But dude is also 205. He's got well-built upper arms, tree trunks for thighs. And so you fire up his tape, you're expecting, okay, this this is going to be running all over people, like just blazing speed. But he doesn't have a a lot of top-end speed. I think when I checked earlier today, he ran a 100-yard dash that was 11.98, which, you know, is is fast. But, I mean, it's it's not like super, like blazing track speed. But his field vision is elite. He has some of the best field vision I would – wager against almost any other running back prospect in this class he it doesn't matter how tightly packed the line of scrimmages or the trenches are how big the hole is like whatever angle he's taking he he can usually find the hole and he's got a good mix of physicality a solid amount of speed and shiftiness to be able to just spurt through the holes and kind of weave his way through traffic and not only that, because of his his physical attributes, um, he can I, he can just blaze right through. Not maybe not blaze, but just churn right through would be tacklers. He can e- either just run right past them, just using his legs to power past them, or he can just deliver a nice solid stiff arm to kind of get them bounce uh, off of one another. He's he's really difficult to bring down. His once he's in the open field, he doesn't have blazing breakaway speed, but he's got enough speed to where he's able to put distance between him and the man and the man to beat. And I think his acceleration is is actually above average. So if he's trying to just burst through just one hole really quickly and not have to try and weave his way through, he can just cut right through and just burst through the other side. I was try- for the longest time. I knew what he kind of reminded me of like, looking at a pro comp, but I, I couldn't like bring it to, to me. Like I, for the longest time, I knew who, who he reminded me of. And it's funny. It took me until about 15 minutes ago to remember like who he reminds me of. He reminds me a lot of Doug Martin. 
a little kind of short stocky guy, really physical runner, not like super fast, but he, he put up a couple thousand yard seasons in the NFL. I mean, Louisville's got themselves their own little muscle hamster. Yeah. (laughs) I love that spot on Uh, grant. Anything you want to add to that in terms of what he brings to the running offense? I think Matt makes an excellent point. He is not the top end guy. He, in, in ways he reminds me a bit of Jalen Mitchell in his physicality and his running style, as well as his lack of top end and, and burst. And that's in this offense. That's kind of where I worry about his long-term viability as a starter, but I think he could be an excellent role player to churn out tough yards. And in this offense, I mean, you need a guy like that. Uh, and like I said, he, he may not be the, the, the thousand yard muscle hamster, but he will play a role in this offense. And I think that he will have, an impact that goes beyond what goes in the stat sheet. And they're, they can't be done at the running back position. They've yeah. got to find no. another guy, maybe another two guys who can come in and compliment Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner. We obviously learned this, this year, what it's like to go from having a completely stocked room to uh, being down to Grant Goodman, which, you know, shout out to Grant Goodman out there doing, <laughs> doing his best work, but you know, that's not a position you really want to find yourself in. Uh, so having depth there will be important. Okay, last offensive player, Jalil McLean. He's a I picked him out of all of the other offensive players because I feel like he's the 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 player we talk about the least uh, in terms of wide receiver. We talk about William Foles a lot, and then we talk about um, you know Kateris Hicks just because of the speed and the connections to to Miami. Uh, but what does McLean bring to an offense? He's expected to play wide receiver, uh, so obviously. A lot of potential there with Jeff Brom's offense, but what does he bring to the offense in 2023 and beyond? So you, you know, I got, I got that wide receiver background, man. I love talking receivers. <laughs> I love it's hey, freak this time, show time, all day about can, wide receivers. I can talk about some freaks now, but with Jaleel, it's it's often been hard, and I think this goes into why he hasn't been one of the most talked about players, is that he has never truly been the focal point of that Bosco offense. He's been an excellent complementary piece, and I think in many ways that's going to mirror what I see as his best projection for us here at Louisville. I think he has a lot of attributes that would be excellent for a complementary role. I think he has a lot of nuance in his routes already that was the thing that I my takeaway whenever I watched his film is that he has different release packages whenever he comes off the line he shows variety in his routes he can make something look like one thing then give you another he has consistent hands he he has good long speed not elite but he just has a lot of very solid attributes and the thing that I took away was he doesn't have any one elite attribute which is why he didn't catch a lot of people's eye because he doesn't do the flashy but he makes the routine very easy which is you need that you know you not every guy can be uh, a William Foles and go up and get it and make the crazy snags over people's heads sometimes you have to have a guy that just gets open right you have to have a guy who gets open and can get you consistent yardage and not everybody needs to be your superstar wide receiver you know, there's three guys out there on the field and everybody has a role to fill. If you have a guy who you can consistently look to, and especially somebody who has a, a long-standing connection with Pierce, is it somebody who's on the field who you can trust to get open, to create a catch and, and get you the requisite yardage to move the chains? 
that's a great guy to add to the offense. I think he's, he's a good consistent piece. I think he can get better with development. I think he's still got room to grow in his game, but he doesn't have any top end elite traits, which I think is going to hold him back in the long run from becoming a true number one in this offense. But I definitely think that there is a starting role for him in the future. And I think he brings a lot in his own right. You mentioned uh, that you just need someone that just gets open and watching his tape. That's one of the things that kind of stood out to me about McLean is that he's athletic, but won't per se blow you away with his athleticism. But he regularly finds a way to get open, especially on those post routes over the middle and especially in zone coverage. It seems like he has a natural feel for where defenders are going to be sitting in their zone and he's able to kind of track where the hole is going to be and get himself just enough separation. Not actually not even just enough, a, a good amount of separation from defenders Absolutely. to where he can just get wide ass open. I think a lot of that, like I was talking about, goes into his connection with Pierce. They understand each other so well. And I think that that's going to be a great attribute that that they're going to bring. Like, like you said, he is great at anticipating the hole in in the zone and Pierce knows that he's going to find the hole in the zone. So that's a combination we're, we're probably going to see employed. I, I, I know if we see it, then Brom and, and them see it. So it's something that's going to be used for sure. All right, let's switch sides of the ball here and go to the defensive side. I want to start with Aaron Williams. And Presley, since you were out at the coaches show, I want you to kind of uh, talk a little bit about what his last year was like, because what this dude did, uh, if I had a like a clipped, like like a hangnail on my pinky toe, I'm not playing in a football game. And this dude's out here playing uh, with some serious injury. Talk, just talk a little bit about what, what Jeff Brom said tonight on the coaches show about Aaron Williams, Presley. Yeah, so – Aaron Williams, apparently, I don't know at what point in the season this happened, but he tore his ACL and then he continued to play and played in the, and throughout the playoffs and in the, in the state championship game in the facto national championship game um, and had a pick six in the national championship game uh, and dove five yards into the end zone with a torn ACL dog. That and is a tough ass hard. son of a bitch. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I'm just going to lay it out there. Well, and I mean, I, I'll be honest. I watched some of their games this year, you know, be it, you know, just condensed or on tape or watching their highlights or whatever. And obviously when I'm watching defense, I want to watch for Aaron Williams and he didn't stand out. It was kind of like watching Jair Alexander when he played at Louisville, like they, I feel like teams didn't go in his direction a lot, uh, but it, it was really hard to to find where he stood out on tape because plays didn't come to him a lot. But I think also part of that too is is if he was playing injured, they were kind of disguising that quite a bit. So they were they were making it so that he wasn't on on the side of the field where he had to constantly constantly be absorbing blows and taking hits. He was out there more just because of his athleticism and grittiness so uh it's pretty fascinating you know the Jeff Brom said that he was really impressed with with what he saw uh in the state championship game and that was with a legitimately torn ACL uh so the plan for him is that he's going to be on campus next week as soon as he gets here (laughs) have surgery yeah he's he's going to come straight to campus and get surgery so I guess he's going to he's going to 
kiss mom and dad goodbye. <laughs> and then and just, then, I'm going to go then, get cut up. He's going to get in the hospital with the new Grant Mulligan. He's going to drive him to the hospital. And yeah, the new Grant Mulligan's going <laughs> to sit there. Whatever the team needs. In the waiting room while, while he gets his ACL surgery. But don't worry, he should be back by, uh, by the fall. Funny Sorry. story like that, Press. Like, I was going to get my MRI done on my second ACL with an athletic trainer. And the athletic trainer was around my height. He's a fit guy. You remember Dylan Grant? And yeah. Uh, yeah. we're standing there in the elevator. And one of the doctors walks on and goes, which one of you guys is the athlete? <laughs> I was like, God, damn. <laughs> Sorry, man. Down. And he looked at me, no and I'm like, dude, you. don't laugh. They just told me I tore my ACL, and you're going to sit here and laugh at this joke. Ask which one's the athlete. Uh, so a couple of things. First of all, he goes by Big Mike, which I I love. Uh, his name's Aaron, but he goes by Big Mike. I think that's always hilarious. Always a Big Mike on the squad. Yeah, always. Everybody needs a Big Mike in their Big life. Uh, and second of all, this dude might walk up in here and start. Date. Well, the ACL injury kind of muddies the waters a little bit, but – um, Louisville is losing Trey Clark and Chandler Jones. Uh, they do get back Quincy Riley, who expects to be the number one corner next year. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee is back. Um, but those two guys are really kind of, you know, you, you do get Derek Edwards back. Am I missing somebody? No, I'm excited. No, okay. To get All right. Derek Edwards back. You know, you guys know I've been high on him for a while. And yeah. I, still has I yet to play can, a snap. I hope and Quincy have. Riley. Yes, Quincy Riley too. I think Quincy Riley is going to be an All ACC player next year. There's a hot take I, for you. I think that could happen for sure. It for could, sure. Yes. And, uh, but but Grant, tell me a little bit about Aaron Williams pre-injury because this kid is. Uh, I know we we've been spoiled, right? We've had Jair Alexander and we've had Trey Clark, but both of those guys are uh, you know two star, three star guys coming out of high school. So talk about Aaron Williams and what he brings to the defensive backfield. Yeah, there's definitely a reason that he earned that that four star rating, and it isn't just because he was at Bosco. I mean, he was tough. He, I mean, the ACL thing is is just a, another indication of, of how tough he was, but he was a guy, his physicality jumps out immediately. I mean, he was willing to come up, tackle guys. I mean, he was blowing up screen plays. He was pressing at the line of scrimmage, and it was, I mean, physical pressing. Guys were getting majorly disrupted off the route, which has helped to the fact that he has great physical tools. I mean, you know, being a 6-2 corner in this game, is very helpful. He's got the long arms to get in and disrupt. And that also plays off with ball skills. He has really nice anticipation for when the ball is coming. He, he reads the receiver's eyes very well to, to make a play, play through the, the receiver. Uh, that physicality can definitely get you in some, some flag trouble, especially at the next level. So he'll have to reel it in to a certain degree, but I'd rather have a guy who is, too physical who you have to reel in that teach a guy how to be physical especially at the corner position because that that's something that could be so game-changing is to have a guy who can really bully up on a top receiver especially for a receiver who isn't used to that kind of defensive play uh he he has a lot of intelligence he has a lot of football intelligence which is something that we were talking about earlier on is is the kind of guys that we're looking for but he has a, a great knack a great feel for route recognition and I think he's going to be a guy who really can contend for some early some early minutes, provided that the surgery goes well, provided that he recovers from it. But he he brings a lot to the table, to the defense, and he's going to be a long-term contributor. And you uh, mentioned uh, his physicality. It, mm-hmm. 
with that archetype of cornerback, it can sometimes get you in trouble and not to kind of poo-poo on him too much, but as we kind of saw that out of Jarvis Brownlee this season. But honestly, when I watched the tape on Aaron Williams from his junior season, it seemed like for the most part, he was able to keep his physical nature under control to where it wasn't a huge detriment to the team. Now, the with the timing on the breaks for the ball, sometimes it was kind of bordering on pass interference. So that's I something agree. he's going to have to shore up whenever and kind of fine tune once he gets to campus. But I don't really have any concerns that his physical nature and physical play style, because the best way I can describe Aaron Williams, he's just a nuisance no matter yes. who he's defending. I completely like, agree. That's a great word for it. Do you think that he's going to start, like, he's going to be the guy that gets under people's skin? Like, I always loved that about Jair oh, Alexander. Absolutely. But, I, but I, like, we need that so bad, man. I mean, I mean, you got to think about it. Well, teams for the last 12 games, 13 games, have attacked number 12. Uh, like, it's their day job. Like, that's what they have done all year long. And for once, Louisville's going to have, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be perfect at secondary, but they're going to have a corner who you know can shut down a half of the side of the field. And Trey Clark did that to some extent. He wasn't himself for a lot this year, uh, but they have not had that since number 10 was out there on the field in 2016-17. Right, Vince? I mean, have you seen anybody? I I agree. And and having him on that side even, you know, elevated the other side with Tremaine Washington, who you see playing in the CFL and having success over there. I mean, having a lockdown dude like that on that side just provides for way more opportunities on, you know, around him to make plays. And what Grant was, Grant and Matt were describing with that physicality, it's, it's not something you can teach it in somebody, but it's almost like a mental thing where it needs to click. Like, okay, like I, I'm not going to get hurt. Yeah, I know it's something silly to say. I'm not going to get hurt here. I'm strong enough to go get off this block and make a tackle here. You saw Trey Clark do a lot of that this season on screen passes, tunnel screens, things like that where we saw a lot of success. So I'm, I'm excited to see that physicality uh, like you guys have been describing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's switch gears and, and go to the next one here. Did, are any of you guys uh, former, I know we're a lot older now, we might still watch it, but were you former fanboys of the WWE when you were younger? Did yes. anybody watch wrestling? Okay, yes. so just you and I, I was a big wrestling fan. Yeah. Do you remember the wrestler named the Boogeyman? Of course, him? yes. And he course. would come out, and he would have the handful of worms, yeah, worms, shoveling. And he had, yeah, he had the, the red yeah. and blue. Yes, yes. Yeah. See, I'm glad somebody knew where I was going with this. Yeah, Let's talk on, about. Man, you know, I know WWE. I love that man. I, me and you might need to start our own throwback WWE podcast. But um, talking about the boogeyman, Sadiq Clements out of Henderson, Kentucky. He comes in. He's a former Purdue uh, commitment. He's six uh, five, I believe. Uh, uh, 260 defensive tackle, defensive end. Grant, tell me a little bit about what uh, what Jeff Brom is going to be getting in the boogeyman. So the name of the game for him and the thing that I was most impressed with was his versatility. I mean, he lined up in so many different places for that defense. He was an outside linebacker. He was a defensive end. He was a nose. From play to play, you never knew where he was going to be. And having guys like that, especially in this defensive scheme, is really going to be able to create mismatches, confuse the offense, confuse the offensive line. Uh, and I, I like his game a lot. You know, I wasn't really familiar with him before he he committed, before Brom got here. And then I, I watched his tape, and I was really impressed with his ability to adjust uh, based off where he was and being able to make a play. You know, He has a really nice feel for where the ball is and where it's going to go. I think he has good play diagnosing skills and that translates. And I think that's what helps him play 
so many different possessions at a at an effective level is because wherever you line him up, he just has that nose for the ball. He knows where the carrier is going to be, and he's disruptive. I mean, he needs to add some more tools to the toolbox, which is a, a common term that I like to use for, for defensive. <laughs> Where'd you get that one from? I may have gotten that one from uh, from the receiver room. Screw driver, what are we talking here? He needs some pass rush moves. Okay. That, those, kind of, those are the tools. And see, guys from – we see that a lot in, in high schoolers and especially guys from – and I don't want to bash on Kentucky, but from lower competition levels – is that guys like that from that stature can simply physically dominate. And you can see that he's trying to incorporate more into his game because he's, mm-hmm. he's engaging his hands. He's getting in, you know, his hand positioning is good, but he doesn't really engage a ton of counter moves whenever he's latched on to, if he's latched, typically he's just going to try to run you over and run you back. And that's, you know, having a guy with the physical prowess to be able to do that is always a plus. Being able to create pressure from the interior, which I think is where his best role will be, I think uh, moving inside possibly to three tech would probably be his best option. But having a guy with that kind of versatility who can move around the defensive end, who can play the outside linebacker, especially at that size, is something that you could really covet in a defensive player and something that I think Brom really loved in his game. I, like I said, I think having Ivy around – and whoever the defensive line coach is going to be if Ivy doesn't fill that role, their biggest task with him is going to be able to get him to utilize his hands more in attacking and in shedding. Uh, but I think the potential, the physical traits are there. I think he has a, a very bright future to be able to play a lot of different roles in this defense. I love versatile and, players like that. And this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I, I think that Sadiq Clements has a – higher upside than Micah Carter does, even though Micah Carter is more of an athlete. Because, I mean, for someone who plays like a fair amount of his reps on the inside, I mean, typically when you think of a D tackle or a nose tackle, they're just like a grimy, physical, just overpower the other person. He's got like, I mean, the, the pass, pass rush moves aren't going to blow you away, but when I'm watching his tape and he's lining up on the outside and this this massive dude playing DN almost in a pseudo outside linebacker position, like he's got, you know, some solid pass rush moves. He's got a, a pretty quick – he can make some pretty quick and timely strikes with his hands. I mean, they're about as quick and timely as they can be for a 6'5", 260 person, but, I mean, they're there, and he's he's got – you know, a little bit of bend to him. So like the potential is there for him to, depending on what sort of front that you're throwing out there to maybe kind of move him on the outside, depending on what the scheme is called for. So I I do like that if his long-term future is on the inside, there's a little bit more versatility in how he's going to be able to get to the quarterback or just inside the backfield in general. And that kind of adds to the schematic versatility and, and the kind of, exotic blitzes or exotic looks that you want to dial up so i think just based on that alone he prop in my opinion i think he's got a little bit of a higher upside than micah carter does yeah and and look i mean i think it's really important that that uh these two guys uh, including clements and and carter both are here i think that's a, a start so quickly in the class to be able to land um, you know, kids from Louisville and then Presley, as you kind of pointed out earlier on the, on the state of Louisville Twitter, it's, it's just very rare for Louisville to go into other counties. That's not Jefferson County, Oldham County and get kids like the, the rest of the state is just kind of bred to hate Louisville. And 
um, they end up going to you, you know, UK, or they end up going to play somewhere out of state rather than, than coming to Louisville. And that's going to be a nice uh, pace, a nice change of pace because there's been so many kids that have left the state to go to Stanford, to Notre Dame, to Duke, to all these different programs. And it'll be nice to keep them home. Um, last one here. Let's talk a little bit about the linebacker position. They lose Debo Jones. Um, they lose uh, Momo Sonogo. They do bring back TJ Quinn, who I don't know. I might be the only one. I'm really excited about that kid. I mean, he's an undersized linebacker, but he played down the end of the, the stretch of the season. He played a ton of football, and he played pretty well. Uh, but it's him and, and K.J. Cloyd and Jack Ryger. That's what they're relying on right now. They Cloyd's need some in the portal. Monty. No, Cloyd came back, man. Yeah, Cloyd and came then, back. I missed he that. He did came back, yeah. And then Monty is rumored to potentially be coming back. We have not seen anything official at this point. But um, Stan Quan Clark is coming in as an inside linebacker, and we talked a little bit about him earlier in the show. Uh, but what what does he bring? Because he's a guy who played safety for the first couple of years of his career in Miami and then moved down. Uh, they need help at the inside linebacker spot right away. So what does Clark offer to the defense and what they're going to do at linebacker? Hey, you're absolutely right. And the fact that they need help and it is a great thing that Stan Quan brings the physical profile that you need to play day one. I don't know if you all have seen him in person, but I have. He is bigger than listed. Like a, a lot of these guys lie on their 247. It's wrong on their 247 where it's like, <laughs> you know, they're actually like two inches shorter. They're, they're I'm six foot, 10 right, pounds. Grant? Yeah. Your Vince is six foot. <laughs> yeah. Like that. He's every bit of what they say he is on 247 and more. And I mean, it's muscle. So he has got a, a frame and an athletic profile that's ready to step onto the field tomorrow. Uh, and coming from that safety position, I think you can see in a lot of his game, which is kind of rare for the linebacker position, is route recognition. And that he has a really nice anticipation in that middle linebacker role of where the ball is going to be coming to in passing formations. I think he's been really effective in his career on the blitz. He comes downhill like a shot out of a cannon. He's looking to take somebody's head off. Um, he he's a force and he's a physical specimen and it is huge that Brahm and co were able to, to hold on to his commitment because he is going to be the kind of guy who can lead our defense for multiple years. And then he's eventually going to play on Sundays. I mean, I don't know what his, his max weight is going to end up being. He is still a little on the thinner side. He's only two fifteen, but he's rocked up. I mean, he's ready to play. So he, we, we need is. more guys rocked up, man. We, he we, is. Need, we need that. So, uh, so you talked about hey. him moving down from safety to, to linebacker Grant, and that makes me think about the comparison of C.J. Avery making that transition out of high school, to, high, school, <laughs> that was that, high school to college. I did not read your article. But uh, what I'm happy with <laughs> him is making that transition earlier. Yes. Because what C.J. struggled with was reading holes, being able to get off blocks, and uh, just getting that more downhill. A lot of the hits he made were at the line of scrimmage or, you know, one, two-yard gain or whatnot. And that's not knocking CJ. CJ was great for us. Love CJ. But being able to get that guy that, like you said, understands coverage, understands routes and things like that, but who also uh, understands, okay, this is where I need to shoot a gap. This is where I can steal a gap right here and go make a play uh, within the defense. I absolutely love this guy. He might be my favorite commit in the class because I, one, I want to stand for stand. I think that's going to be what I say all year long for him. But, and, you know, well, maybe we'll work on the NIL deal a little bit later. But um, 
I, I just think that this kid is going to come in. We've seen guys at the linebacker position play as freshmen. That's not been an, a rarity for Louisville. In Dorian fact, Dorian Etheridge. Dorian Etheridge was the leading tackler as a freshman. Um, I think that this position, I don't know. I haven't yet studied the Purdue defense. We're going to do a little bit of that throughout the offseason and talk more specifically about what they bring to the table. But I think that this kid is just built to play football for Louisville. Like he's just the perfect middle linebacker. He fits the mold of a James Burgess, of a of a Keith Kelsey, of a of a Monty Montgomery, of a guy, a CJ Avery, a guy that just plays physical, plays fast. Uh, and I think that Louisville needs more guys like him on defense. Um, all right. Uh, any closing thoughts, any other thing that we want to throw out from this recruiting class? I, I think that there's still a lot of work to be done from the portal. Um Things are going to go on up until spring practice and through that. We'll see guys again kind of make a, a run at the, the portal after spring practice is over and we get a better idea of how the depth chart shakes out. But, guys, is there anything else that stands out to you about this signing class and where Louisville is heading into the future of the program? I I mean, I'm excited. This class got me excited for uh, football season next year. I mean, I know I like to joke on the Sanex jokes, but I mean, I love Micah Carter. I love Pierce. I love Madden from top to bottom, top to bottom. I mean, all these kids are, you know, guys I look at that could be potential day one guys or, you know, definitely playing year two, year three. I mean, it's it's crazy how far it has come since the time when Grant and I were there and working in recruiting to the type of kids we were trying to recruit and sign till where we're at now i mean it's crazy kudos to pete nocta and the rest of his staff for holding the fort down uh and kudos to jeff and them for freaking getting it done and depending on how the rest of the transfer portal market shakes out and who louisville is able to bring in and sign i mean we've we've already like heard whispers and whatnot about who louisville is on track for i mean there it seems like they're still in really good shape with marquise groves killabrew and storm duck those defensive backs and then uh, Cal quarterback Jake Plummer entered the portal today. I mean, there's already a lot of buzz there. And Jack Plummer, I, let's say it's not, I'm, I'm going to make that mistake. And his dad is not Jake Plummer. I know so it's make, not. I know make, it's not. I looked, it sure we throw that I looked it up and I know it's not. I, I, it, it's, it's hard to get that out of your mind. But anyways, depending on how the, the rest of the portal shakes out for Louisville, I don't think it's, unreasonable to have somewhat high-ish expectations heading into year one I really don't it's all about finding the guy who can fit the offense at that quarterback spot because I don't think I personally don't think that anyone on the roster is quite ready to play as a starter I, I think Pierce I, I've kind of outlined why I, I would worry about that a little bit uh, and then with Caleb obviously he didn't play last year like you want to get those guys into competition but um, I think that if they do bring in a quarterback, it's going to be a one-year starter who fills the gap and, and really sets the tone for what they can be. And so if that's the case, it comes down to what they can do from a performance standpoint and how they can elevate things. So, all right, we'll get out of here on that. We've got a lot more to get into this offseason. Uh, this kind of puts a bow on the 2022 season here, but we'll come back and we'll break down the offense, the defense. We'll have hopefully some former some uh, for, some coaches or uh, former players on uh, to kind of break down what we've watched for the last couple of months. Uh, so I'm excited. We got a we got a fun off season ahead, and then of course, as I've said, we'll do some other fun things throughout the year to get us to September. September. <laughs> I mean, come on. Why is college football's offseason so damn long? Like, like maybe let's add like three more weeks to the season or something. Or at least I, let me at least let me go to all the spring practices, man. Like I, I would love to go to spring ball. 
Yeah, you can be our spring ball correspondent, man. We'll, we'll get, we'll now, get now you that out there. I don't, now that I don't have to, like, slide play call sheets into little slivers of paper and do all the <laughs> tedious stuff that goes into getting a college football practice together. All right, Grant, where can uh, the people who are just now learning about you find you on Twitter, and where can they check out your work? You can check out my work at the State of Lou, man. Uh, and it's been great working with you all, and I really appreciate you adding me to the team this year. It's It's been great to be able to, to bring content to you all and, and collaborate with this great team. But if you want more of my content directly, all posted, of course, through the State of Lou, but you can follow me at Grant underscore Mulligan underscore and I will be tweeting out, sending out all my 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 hottest recruiting takes. My <laughs> my. We got to get you a better Twitter handle, man. We got G Baby ninety seven. No, something like that. I'm classic, brother. Oh, G-baby. fun fact about Greg: Grant can't smell. Um, he can't Sorry. smell. You can't tell the world that man. <laughs> can't, go, can't go tell the world that. Birth defect. Interesting. So it's not anyway. a it's not a long haul COVID situation. No, no man. It's I, not. We, Grant and I used to eat next to each other. I'd be like, Grant. He would watch me. I'd he be would. Like, Grant, what's this taste like? What's this he, taste like? He, he would be, be like, actively watching me eat my lunch or eat my dinner at the plate. But like he would be talking like, <laughs> over it, and he he would tell me that the funniest was always like, okay, now try the green beans. <laughs> like he would be telling me what to eat next. I'm like, can I please just eat my dinner? Freaking weirdo, it? man. But that was no, amazing. This, was, this was not a one-time thing either. Like he would no, be it like, wasn't. it wasn't. You know, would, you know. Among, after all that, though, Grant has a great nose for football recruiting, and that's all he really cares. <laughs> oh, there we that. go. Look at that. There he can go. smell a superstar from a mile away. I can, there and I have, I have the receipts to prove it, but we won't get into that. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. <laughs> we got the receipts. Back. We'll save that for another day. All right, we'll we're going to get out of here from the Pink Seats podcast at Pink Seats Pod, at Matt underscore McGavick, at Vincent Lacoco, at Press Meyer, at Jacob Lane 08, at the State of Louisville, at UofL Report. That's a lot of Twitter handles, but be sure you're following all of those. Uh, Things are looking good. We have got an offseason where we are not going to have any dread, and it is nice to live in that territory. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to take some time off and enjoy uh, enjoy that there's some time off, I guess. I don't know. Matt needs more time off than anybody here, but we'll be back. Yes. Off-season, pre- <laughs> off-season content, recapping the season in a couple of weeks. We'll be announcing all of our guests. Uh, stay tuned to that. And until the next time we talk to you, go Cards from the Pink Seats Podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.